out your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing.
Just uh, continue on in that for a moment here. Hallelujah. So many times we sing the songs of God's faithfulness, of His provision, of His sustaining ability, even as we were singing this, you know, it's His breath that's in our lungs. These bones are going to cry out. When you start thinking about that, um, that verse, it's, it's deep in our bones that we sense the, the greatest pains of our, I think, of our life. You know, it's those, those, those deep abiding pains that in the midst of those moments, we cry out the loudest of God's faithfulness and His provision. This series that we've been going through regarding the Beatitudes has challenged me in so many ways. And, and today as we sang about God's faithfulness and my decision that comes on the other side of God's faithfulness. See, God's not faithful to us. God's faithful to His Word. God is always going to be true to Himself. So God doesn't change. His faithfulness doesn't change. He is faithful always because He has declared it. But on the other side of God's faithfulness, there is a responsibility that resides in us to praise Him, to give Him glory. It is by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. It's that testimony, that declaration of God's faithfulness, of God's provision, of God's healing, of God's meeting the needs of your life that as you begin to shout out those things I I know some of you came into this place carrying burdens carrying a weight on your minds on your hearts and and you have just been resistance 
of even releasing those things. But I'm here to tell you that God wants you to release them and begin to praise Him even in the midst of your greatest trial, your greatest struggle, even as the people have attacked you, even as things have been said about you, even as things, whatever is going on, He is saying, listen, praise me in the midst of it. Because I'm going to do something new in you. And as a result of what I'm doing in you, it's going to branch out and touch everyone you come in contact with. You are going to be a carrier of God's blessing, of God's favor, of His uh, provision, of His healing, of His faithfulness to the generations that you touch. And so let's, let's sing this one more time. And I, and I just encourage you, I, I ask you today to begin to release to God the praises that He needs. And it may be the only thing you can muster up today is just saying the words. But I pray that as we go deeper into this song, that there is something from the very innermost part of your being that begins to declare the faithfulness of God, His provision in your life for the things that you have need of. So as we, as we sing through here again, as we, as we begin to worship, push in. Push in. Let God do the work that He's trying to do here today. faithful God, keeping his promises to a thousand generations.
let those new songs come hallelujah Speak, Lord, we're listening.
sometimes we want to push through. God's wanting us just to wait. I believe this is one of those moments that God is, God is trying to do something in us here. And we're just going to wait for just a moment longer here. I believe God's at work here.
Aleluya. I love about what God does is so it's so um, in order it's so gentle even his correction force many times comes across in this very soft manner because his desire is to bring transformation when God disciplines us he takes us from where we're at and what we're wallowing in to where He wants us to be, where we're living and thriving in the image that He has for us. Not, not who we're dwelling in at that moment, but for who He sees us to be. And as we waited on God, God brought this this opportunity to worship just in a deep moment where his his spirit could communicate with us in a just a very precious and powerful way those who worship worship in spirit and in truth Praise God. Thank you, worship team. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As a uh, I was focusing on um, our message for this week, and uh, I, I focused on the, the, the topic at hand for our, our passage, but uh, I have felt this continual um, resistance, this uh, uh, force pushing against me as well. Um, have, you, have you ever felt that Satan didn't want you to go in a certain direction. That you, there was a level, a wall of resistance that was there, and you had to, you know, begin to push through uh, those things. Um, when when I was working out um, years ago, um, there would be this wall you would hit in working out, and you'd max come to your max weight, whatever it was, and. Uh, and it's like, man, you just couldn't, it was everything you could do to just get to that moment. And, and you'd, if you've never been in an actual workout room, you know, normally the person that's working out with you, they start, they cut, there comes a point where their motivation becomes these shouts. Uh, and the energy starts rising. And they're trying to motivate you to go beyond this wall, this, this uh, boundary that you've created. 
and as you push through, all of a sudden there's a burst of energy, and not only do you go beyond that weight, but you go sometimes, you know, several plates beyond that, because all of a sudden um, the wall's been broken, and you, you have greater capacity to do something new. Um, it's like for years, you know, they, uh, no one, they, they said that it was scientifically impossible for man to run a four-minute mile and until someone did it. <laughs> and then as soon as one person did it, there was this stream of individuals right after that that accomplished the same thing. But it took one person who was willing to say, I can do this. And they pushed through. Um, and it's just amazing. I, I still enjoy at times, I, uh, I will catch these uh, weightlifters and they're, you know, uh, they're pulling semis or they're, you know, doing, you know, carrying these big old balls, you know, uh, these concrete balls and putting them on these platforms. And you think, how in the world do they do that? Um, and, and most of it is because they haven't listened to all the people tell them what they can't do. And sometimes we are stuck because of what people tell us we can't do. Not because of what God says that we can do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, he doesn't say you can do all things in your own strength or ability. He says, I can do all things through Christ. And, and when we begin to focus on Jesus, our ability increases exponentially. And when we start focusing on Jesus, and we have a group of individuals surrounding us, praying for us, you know, Scripture says one will put a thousand to flight, but two ten thousand. There is a multiplied prayer effect that begins to happen in the life of, a, of an individual, as not only they believe they can accomplish great things in the name of Christ, but others are praying and, and exponentially seeing this individual rise to greater levels of accomplishment. And see, and that's why God says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together, because when we come together and encourage one another, there is something exponential that begins to happen in the body of Christ, and we begin to encourage one another, spur one another on to great things, to good works, to deeds, simply because we begin to tell each other they can do it. We begin to, we become that shouting voice behind them. You can accomplish this. Push, push, you can do it. See, you got to believe. You have to believe in people. Listen, we have plenty of people in this world who will come and bring all the negative. You don't need to be one of them. Especially in the body of Christ. I have heard too many times someone begin to uh, talk about the things that they felt like God was moving on them to do and the great things and it was going to be it was going to be amazing and somebody came along just feeling the need to throw a cold bucket of water on them to bring them back to reality. What good is living in reality if we limit ourselves to accomplishing only what everybody else says we can do? 
And yet God, when God inspires us, when we begin to find that place of living where we simply see as God sees and we no longer trust in our own limitations and we begin to push in and push on to the things of God, we begin to accomplish things that we never thought possible. And that resistance, that wall that is present many times is the enemy beginning to push against you because he doesn't want you to accomplish that next thing that God has for you. (laughs) Because he's not all-knowing, but he's smart enough to know to watch your life and say, God's getting ready to do something there. And, and I better put some resistance there. See, the enemy's smart enough to know that the average believer, if they hit a little bit of resistance, they think, oh, this is God saying this is not him. So my question to you is, why in the world would God give you the inspiration to do something and then put roadblocks for you to accomplish it? Why in the world would God say, hey, I want you to go across the ocean, or this lake, and then all of a sudden create a storm to prevent you from getting there. <laughs> when the disciples were, were going across the lake and Jesus said, listen, I want you to go to the other side. He gave them a, a destination. And the storm came up and the disciples were afraid and they began to become fearful and that they were going to die. And where was Jesus? Bottom of the boat, sleeping. (laughs) And he says, why are you afraid? (laughs) Did I not tell you to go to the other side? (laughs) This storm, it's a distraction. It's not going to stop us from accomplishing what I've told you to do. I am with you always. And... I am faithful to my word. See, how many times when we start hitting that resistance do we go back to the word of God and we start reading and say, God, what did your word tell me? See, that's why it is so important that when God speaks to you that you write it down and you put a date by it and say, God said, hey, you're going to the other side. And then every time the resistance comes, we go back to the written word. Because <laughs> God said it. I'm going to the other side. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in this world. Man, how many promises does God actually need to give us before we believe what he says? You know, when are we going to fully trust that God is actually able to keep that which has been entrusted to him. See, it's another word. <laughs> he says that he will keep that which has been entrusted to him until <laughs> his work is completed. Is God done with you yet? No. <laughs> Let me just tell you, even for those of you who think that God's done, he's not. You're still here. Because I truly believe that as long as you're here living on this earth, God's not done. He's working. 
He may have completed certain things in your life that he began, but he's not done. Those were just preparatory. Those were just the the beginnings of the things that he wants to do in and through you so that you go further than you've ever thought possible. But you have to learn and recognize the attacks of the enemy. Today I'm talking about the call of the persecuted. The call of the persecuted. Matthew chapter 5 verses 10 through 12 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It may seem strange that Jesus so quickly passes from blessed are the peacemakers to blessed are the persecuted. We go from God calling us to be about establishing peace wherever we go, and then he says, oh, and guess what? Um, You're going to get persecuted. What Jesus is trying to communicate to us is this life that he is calling us to live is going to take some effort. It's like every time you make a decision to begin a workout program, day one is easy, you're inspired. Day two is okay. By day three and four, it's an effort to get out of bed and think, hey, I can still do this. Day five and six, you're thinking, why in the world did I say I was going to do this in the first place? What good is it? I mean, Bible says physical exercise only profiteth a little, so why in the world am I doing this? And we talk ourselves out just as quickly as we talked ourselves into something. It's going to take effort. And it's going to take us warring against the flesh because the flesh is constantly fighting the things of the Spirit of God in our lives. I believe we must live with and adjust to the fact that persecution is simply the clash between two value systems. It is this, it is this internal nature that we have that wants to please ourselves and this internal nature that, or this, this endued in, nature, this blessing of God that has been placed upon us that wants to fulfill the things of God. We have to choose every day what we're going to give into. Now see, it's not enough that you have to deal with that on a daily basis, this constant battle. We live in a world that also has other believers and (laughs) non-believers. So those other believers are fighting that same battle. And then the people who are not following Christ just give into the flesh. And so you're fighting against them every day. You're struggling. You're warring against them. You may not think, well, I'm not at war with them. Well, you're you're not, but there is something inside of you that is. And it is the Spirit of God that is going on inside of you that is constantly battling this force. And it's two value systems. And it's a challenge for us to 
to deal with on a daily basis. See, God has called us. He has selected us to represent Him in this new value system and patiently enduring persecution as part of our witness and preparation for His kingdom. He's called us. He's selected us. You are not here by choice. You're here by calling. God specifically says, Scripture tells us that nobody can be saved unless God the Father calls their name. (laughs) So you didn't find God. He's never once been lost. What you did was you responded to the call of God on your life. And God called forth uh, Anthony and said, Anthony, I love you. And I'm calling you for a relationship with me. Now, isn't that a great thing that God called your name? And see, when God calls your name, there is a blessing to it. Now, as a parent, I know there are many of you in here that can relate to this. And those of you that aren't a parent, you can relate to it being a child hearing this. But there is a, there is a parent who calls the name of a child when they've done something wrong. There's a tone. It may be the full use of your name. How many of you, when you call out the full name of your child, they're typically in trouble? You know? When it's not just, um, hey, Matthew, it's Matthew Thomas Vinsel. So it, it, has, it carries with it a different, you know something's going on. And so when a, when a child hears their name, their gentle name, or their name come in a gentle uh, fashion like that, they know that, you know, their father, their mother, wants to talk with them. And it does something special. Um, The other way, it creates a lot of other thoughts and fears. And God calls us by name because he has selected us. Not just to be filling this church. He's called us to represent him to a world that is lost and dying and going to hell. See, when you choose to walk with God, you become a witness of his kingdom come to this world. Persecution is is as much a mark of discipleship as peacemaking. The world that we live in does not give up its hate and self-centered living easily. And so we have to be willing to fight for it. And, and that's why it is so important that when we make a decision to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, that we be willing to apply the various principles of, of godly living to our life. And it's not going to be easy. And the world is going to fight us in some of this. But it's part of what God's called us to. All of the Beatitudes demonstrate God's reversal of the world's value system, but perhaps none so markedly as this eighth one, blessed are the persecuted. Persecution is never pleasant, but involves suffering and many times, oftentimes severe pain. And the key for the key element of qualification 
in dealing with persecution is for righteousness sake, as the verse shares. Jesus wasn't just giving this universal um, blessing that anybody who ever goes through a difficult time is going to be blessed. (laughs) That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is those individuals that are being persecuted for righteousness sake, those who were persecuted for actively pursuing the kingdom of righteousness and because of their faith in Jesus Christ, according to Matthew 5.11. Actively pursuing it. Are you actively pursuing righteousness? The very basic element of the word righteousness is right living. It, it doesn't get any simpler than that. Are you living in the right way? Are you living in the way that God has set up in His Word? First Peter 2.20 says, If you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. Doing what God has called us to. Orienting yourself to a life geared around living for God, living according to His promises, His commandments, His law, His law. Uncompromising faithfulness to the things of God. As I began to look at this whole topic of persecution, I, I began to read about the persecuted church around the world. It is estimated that anywhere from 100,000 to 150,000 Christians are martyred every year. 100 to 150,000 every year. And if we just go on the low side of that, that 100,000 mark, basically what we're dealing with here is um, about 274 people a day around the world, Christians are getting persecuted. 274. That's, that's roughly about 12 every hour. 12 every hour are getting persecuted. Christians around the world are losing their life for their faith. Now our church hasn't had a martyr yet. But if we truly press forward in the things of God... Those things may be coming sooner than we thought. I have, I have been following closely uh, some of the things out in California with John MacArthur's Church Grace um, community. And um, they've been in this ongoing battle with uh, L.A. County regarding having indoor church services. And, and it's gone to the Supreme Court and they were given approval. And then, you know, the L.A. County... Re- uh, revoked their lease on their parking lot, and then, you know, they were pushing forward, and they're fining him, and, you know, today is going to be a big day because of some of the things that are going on out there, and uh, and I've been praying for our, our fellow believers in Christ, not, you know, I've got friends, that pastor in California that have been dealing with this this oppressiveness of not being able to to have uh, church services inside. And, and if you're not aware, California's been under this oppressive heat. So they're, they're being told, listen, you can only have church outside, but they've been in excess of 100 degree 
days. And there's fires burning everywhere and the, the pollution, the air level quality is so bad right now. And so, you know, you've got these people that are dealing with persecution in such uh, ever-increasing ways right now. And the government just keeps saying, listen, you cannot worship indoors. And they're finding them. And I've just been praying for them, praying over them that God would, would do something in them because um, this, is, this is what we've been reading about in the persecution. You know, for over 200 years <laughs> as a nation, you know, we've, we've been blessed as Christians who have experienced the favor of a nation that did not oppose Christians. But we're seeing changes around our country, around the United States, where people are becoming more oppositional to Christians, to the church. And I'm not here speaking of the, the pandemic for or against it. This is not anything to do with that. It is, it is simply to do with some of the oppressiveness that is coming against. It is, it is completely okay for, in California, for, you know, casinos and other places like that to have business, to have things going on, but churches weren't permitted to. And so there, there, there is, you can definitely see the oppressiveness that is being done in some of these areas. And as a church, it is required of us to be ready for persecution. We must prepare ourselves because God said persecution is going to come. And we need to wake up and quit thinking it could never happen to us. Because the reality is, if we are not prepared... It will overwhelm us when persecution touches us personally. And so, I want you to be aware of your brothers and sisters around the world that are experiencing persecution and to prepare yourself for the things that could be coming to you. John Piper shared this at one conference he was speaking at. America is one of the hardest places in the world to be a true Christian. He says, the blessings of freedom lead us to an expectation of a comfortable life. A comfortable life produces lethargy of spirit, and that's why fasting and giving and serving and risking are so important to our spiritual health. We are comfortable. It is too easy to be a Christian. What are we going to do when difficulties and trials come? See, our passage is very clear to us that there are really two outcomes in the life of a believer that should be things that draw us to a preparedness state when persecution comes. Very simple, the two outcomes are great blessing and great reward. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you when others revile you, Matthew 5.11. There is a fellowship of Christ and an anointing of the Spirit of God when we begin to experience 
challenges, difficulties, persecution, when we begin to allow the things that God is doing to extend from our life and touch people outside of this building. I was reading a little bit about John Bunyan's life, and and he was in prison for 12 years in England for preaching the message, preaching the word. 12 years for preaching the word. Can you imagine being imprisoned for 12 years? Can you, can you imagine what it's going to be like for you when you come to a place and the authorities say, listen, if you preach any longer in the name of Jesus, that you're going to go to jail? Who's ready to quit? See, people talk about there coming a time in the church for a great turning away. People turning away from God. And it definitely can happen because we are not ready for persecution. We are not ready for challenges. Scripture says that we need to be ready to give an answer for our faith at any time. And see, in the midst of those moments when people tell us to stop, we need to be able to stand and say, Jesus, the Word of God has called me to preach the Word in season and out. To declare of God's goodness. See, it's in those moments, it's not about rebellion to authority at that moment. It is about obedience to the Word of God. And see, Scripture tells us as, as an individual that we are to obey the laws of the land until those laws violate the laws of God. And it is at that point in our lives that we need to begin to stand and say no further. I will not sacrifice my religious, my belief in God because of the laws of man. Are we ready for that, church? We need to prepare ourselves. I'm not here preaching doom and gloom. Listen, there are two great rewards. One of them is blessings that come from God because we have chosen to live a righteous life. You don't get it for turning away. The second aspect of of the rewards that come is that of heaven. How many of you like reward programs? Our society is filled with various reward programs. You know, I've been part of the Kroger's reward program. I, I am, I'm not here downing Kroger's. They're a great grocery store. But let me just share that you're supposed to get a point for every dollar you spend there. And after a thousand points, you can get a dollar off per gallon of gas. So how many is a thousand points? Um, how much money did you just spend at their store? Thousand dollars in a month. Every month, at the end of the month, the, the words expire. 
So in order for me to get $1 off of a gallon of gas, and you can get up to, uh, there's so many gallons, they do actually limit the number of gallons you can get. Um, I have to spend $1,000 in their store to get. Now people will go out of their way to shop at Kroger's to make sure they get their rewards. Now, I'm not a very good person for keeping track of my rewards, but I thought, man, I'd shopped at Kroger's a number of times this month. And uh, so I pulled into Kroger's and I was gassing up my car. And I put in my card and punched in my little code and, and it says, you have no reward points to redeem. I'm thinking, what are you talking about? I have shopped here every, you know, my family, sometimes it was an everyday thing for stopping at Kroger's. And then I looked, and it was the first of the month. <laughs> and my rewards expired the day before. And I'm thinking, why in the world am I so concerned about that dollar? No, it wasn't going to be a dollar. Let me just, I didn't spend $1,000 on groceries last month or any month ever. I don't even know what that looks like, $1,000 in groceries um, in a month. But, but I started thinking that reward is so hollow when you come down to it. And then I look at, you know, the reward that God has for us in his word. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. Heaven is the greatest reward system we can have. When we choose to live a life dedicated to serving God and we endure persecution and God looks at us at the end of our life and says, well done, good and faithful servant, enter in. How can you get a better reward system? So let me just tell you, I don't care what this world may throw at you, I don't care what level of persecution may come, the only reward system that actually will amount to anything is heaven. Because every other reward system will be hollow. I don't care how many credit card tells you, systems tell you there are no blackout dates. <laughs> there is always a way that they're going to disappoint you in some of those expected reward systems that they've created. Because they are actually set up knowing that the average, if not even beyond that, are never going to receive the benefits of what they were supposing. That's how they bank on it, actually being effective. But... God's not banking on you not making it. He's hoping you will. He's he is equipping you with everything necessary for you to live a life of righteousness, to be able to live in such a way that you experience the rewards of heaven, the blessings of God. He wants those to be part of your life. He has equipped you with everything necessary for living a life today that will honor Him. But you have to choose to do it. It's not forced on you but you're equipped with the necessary tools. I have to read the Word of God on a, on a daily basis to remind me of those things. There are days in my life I come in against some of these walls of resistance and I, and I feel weaker about them and I'm get, I feel like my life is giving in and I, and I recognize I have not been faithful to read the promises, the things of equipping that God had sent my way. 
Have any of you, has anybody else ever been there where in the midst of your greatest struggle you realize, huh, I haven't read the Word this week yet. <laughs> you know, I used to thrive on, you know, I've, I've got this Bible program, version Bible program on my phone, and say, you've had 365 days of never missing a time of reading the Scripture. It's like, yes, heaven's mine. But then you have those ones, it's like, you're seven days behind in your program. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking, Lord, is heaven still available? <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. We start wondering because we haven't been in the Word. And see, during the 365 days, there wasn't a thing you could tell me that would ever convince me that I couldn't accomplish whatever God set before me. But when I quit preparing my mind and quit equipping myself for the things ahead, it is so easy to forget that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is so easy to forget that greater is he that is within me than is he that is in this world. Daily when I'm there, it's not an issue. When time starts separating those moments of reading, we start losing our, our connection with the source of our power. See, I believe the number one kryptonite that any of us face in this room is not any sin that is out there that may befall us. It is our separation from the, the power of God's word. Scripture says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. God's word is an eternal source of strength and support for all of us. And when we, when we consume it on a daily basis, it has an, an empowering ability to enliven us and empower us to accomplish and live life like we've never imagined possible. But it requires us to actually do it. It doesn't just happen. We're blessed in this country in that we have access to Bibles galore. And yet, when you look at individuals from uh, other countries like China, where, you know, they don't have free access to Bibles, and, and they, they memorize entire chapters and entire books of the Bible so that they have the, the Word of God hidden in their hearts that they might not sin against Him. So, my challenge for you as we prepare, as I prepare to close today is to encourage you in your preparation and your lifestyle that you begin to intermingle the Word of God into everything you do, that you memorize God's Word. This convicts me. I don't have a daily process of memorizing God's Word. Now, I have a lot of God's mem Word memorized. For There have been seasons of my life that I spent quantities of time memorizing the word. Um, there was one time in Bible college back, you know, back in the, in the late 80s, you know, back a couple years ago, I had a, a discipleship course. And, and at one point, we had to memorize like 128 verses with the references. That was the final exam. So the only requirement for the class was memorizing Scripture and being able to put the reference and, the, and you had to put the punctuation correctly. It wasn't just getting it close. See, sometimes we think, God, if I just get close on your word, is that okay? No. God wants you to know his word, to have it uh, 
so nestled in your heart that you don't sin because you don't, you don't worry about someone masquerading God's word in a manner that looks, sounds good. There's a lot of, uh, you, you know, a lot of sayings out there that don't actually communicate God's word. And so I, I want to encourage you, church, as persecution is coming, prepare yourself. Begin to implement a process of memorization of God's word so that anytime something comes at you, God's word comes to the surface. Let the thing that is freshest in your life be the word of God that is hidden deeply in your hearts. Blessed are they who are persecuted. For whose sake? For the sake of God. Let's look at our passage one more time as I close. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of all that you've written for us and encouraged us with. And today I pray that you would help us to apply it to our lives in such a way that, Father, we would draw close to you, that we would equip ourselves with the necessary tools to be able to live when persecution comes in a manner that honors you, that allows us to continue to follow hard after righteousness that heaven would be our reward for a life well lived, for a life well done. Help us today to pursue you in, in such great ways, not by the necessarily great exploits, but by simply choosing to memorize your word every day and to be who you've called us to be in this world, to be a light to all we come in contact with. May, it, may we be those who carry the torch, shedding light in the depths of the darkness of our world in such a way that your word is made known. And today, I, I especially lift up our brothers and sisters around the world, our churches around the world. Father, I, I specifically lift up the churches in California who are undergoing such great um, persecution right now and hardship. Father, I pray for um, your spirit to rise within them. Father, I pray that through it all, um, people would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because of your church choosing to endure persecution. That, Father, through it, your light would shine in such a way that those who hear the truth have come to believe and know you now. We just thank you. We pray your blessing on each one today. Help us to walk in, in your calling and your presence this week. We ask for this in your name. Amen. Praise God. If uh, our ushers could come, we're going to wait upon you for morning tithes and offering.
My uh, wife and I will be uh, down in uh, Tennessee this week for our ministers uh, conference, our fall ministers conference. And so um, if you have a situation that develops and you need prayer, uh, please avail yourselves to one of the, uh, the elders. Uh, they are available to uh, meet your needs, to pray with you, and you can access them. You've got, most of you have got their phone numbers or they're in the directory there. Um, just want you to be aware um, that where we're at. And we just pray, uh, encourage you to pray for us as we're there that uh, God would be able to just continue to encourage us and strengthen us in this time as well. Um, we're excited about the opportunity. Uh, because of all the stuff going on in the spring, we were unable to have our spring conference. And so uh, we would love to ex just experience the fellowship of our other ministers in our region and, and be encouraged from our regional director and the things that God is leading there. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. We pray your blessing on this offering. Uh, we pray you'd multiply it to meet the needs of your church. And uh, we thank you for it. We thank you for your faithfulness. And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Any announcements from any of uh, the uh, departments? I think this Sunday, women's meet, um, tonight, women's at 6 o'clock here at the church, 6.30. Um, dealing with Proverbs still? All righty. Can't go wrong there. Thank you for getting out of your wheel well there, brother. All right. Any, and it's so good to have Brennan here in service with us and uh, Chad and Katie too. So, so good to see you guys. And uh, uh, hold Brennan up for us all to see him there. Not everybody's got a chance to see Brennan. I know he's probably sleeping. I probably, you know, he's out. That's all right. It's good to have you guys with us and uh, have Brennan with us here. He, he looks nice and healthy for us, so. Thank you, Hudson. I, we, we won't forget you either. Uh, Hudson's with us as well, so I didn't want you to forget about him. So, all righty. God bless you. Love on one another today.